0: So in the first two thirds of the awakened brain, I share the neural correlates of both despair and depression as an invitation. We are hardwired through struggle to deepen spiritually. It is the perfect time.
1: That's Dr. Lisa Miller. And this is the Depression Detox Show. The Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. Appreciate you tuning in with me today as we wrap up our week with a returning speaker, New York Times bestselling author, clinical psychology professor at Columbia University, and the founder and director of the Spirituality Mind Body Institute and today we have an interview based talk where she answers some of the most requested questions regarding our brain and spirituality here's Dr. Lisa Miller enjoy
2: you know spirituality can mean different things to different people and so when you're talking about spirituality can you can you help us understand what do you mean by spirituality what are we talking about
0: so for a long time in the 80s and 90s scientists would sit around really like theologians from Centuries gone by, and say, I think spirituality is peace and wisdom. And the next person would say, No, I think spirituality is interconnected. And basically, recreating the theological wheel. And finally, in the most beautiful breakthrough article in 1997, a a twin study was published. And for the first time, it was shown by Ken Kenler that we are all endowed with a natural capacity for spiritual life. And while Scientists don't define spirituality. We can identify threads of lived human spiritual life, and that which is innate is what we did here together today, a deep transcendent relationship to the higher power and that we experience the higher power in and through one another, love of neighbor.
2: Would it be as simple as saying, and please build on this if, if, if I'm not exactly there, would it be as simple as saying it's connection to ourselves and to one another, to a higher power? How many elements are there here?
0: So if I might defer to another brain study. Sorry, (laughs) my husband's in the crowd. He says, don't do too much science. (laughs) 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 But but, but this is a good one. Um, (laughs) um, When we invited people of all faith traditions, whether they were Catholic, Hindu, Muslim, Jewish, spiritual, but not religious, into the functional MRI, the movie camera MRI that tracks blood flow. And we asked them, tell us about a time where you felt a deep personal connection to your higher power, God, Jesus, spirit, force in nature, whatever your word may be. These were 18 through 25-year-olds in New Haven, about two-thirds students, one-third people living in the city. Nobody was confused. No one was confused by that question. And in fact, many people said... I'm so glad to talk about this because no one's ever asked. And when people of all traditions then repeated their story within the fMRI, the story went like this. I'm walking down the sidewalk. I've just been dumped by my boyfriend of three years. I thought we were going to get married. I feel so despairing, so low, so unappealing. But then I went home and sitting by my grandparents and parents In our house of worship, I realized, of course I'm loved. And in fact, there's love all around us. I will love again. Or it sounds like this. I was just turned down at six out of seven medical schools. I'm thinking, I'll never be a doctor like my mother and father. But then I saw light in the leaves, and I know that God has a plan for me, and I will be a healer in the way that I am intended. A complete reshuffling of meaning. Whether I, again, I am of any faith our beautiful faith traditions or spiritual but not religious, and with that went three loops in the brain. The awareness, like we just shared, that we are loved and held. The bonding network comes online, just as we were held as children. A shift from the top down to the bottom up attention, from the dorsal to the ventral, attention network, through which we see a far more broad range of opportunities. Instead of, I'm never going to love again, I'm never going to get into medical school. Ah, then I saw light in the leaves. And many people say our attention is pulled. And not only are we loved and held and guided through this shift in attention, but we realize as the parietal puts in and out hard boundaries that we are never alone. I can be walled off in my COVID apartment, but at the same time, I am part of the family of life, the field of creation. And what that means is that each of us has, we're a point and we're a wave. Is how I explain it to my Columbia students. We are magnificently unique and beautifully diverse and are zipped up by a bodysuit and have different GPS coordinates, and we are white caps on one ocean. We are part of one unit of creation. So loved, held, guided, and never alone is our birthright. We just shared it. And not only that, but we can see one another so as to always be loving, holding, guiding, and never leave anyone alone. That is the dimension of spirituality. It was identified in twin studies as heritable, which we operationalized after two years of planning in the MRI, and which showed to be true across people of all traditions and spiritual but not religious. This is who we are.
2: That's great. Thank you. So, so connect the dots for us. What, what we're hearing you say is spiritual practice transforms the brain in some way, affects the brain, and how your brain changes then affects your well-being. What is happening to your brain during this period? And I'm setting you up to talk about more science, so you're welcome. <laughs> what, is, what is happening to your brain through this process? Is it, are we tapping into something that's already there? Are we transforming something that's there? Is some physical change happening, all of the above?
0: So, In the first two-thirds of the awakened brain, I share the neural correlates of both despair And depression as an invitation, we are hardwired through struggle to deepen spiritually. It is the perfect time to deepen spiritually in our own lives and as a society. Here, now, this is our doorway forward. The last third in the awakened brain is a beautiful burgeoning science that looks not at the nature of our brain as held within the skull, but rather sees our brain as we are part of the wave part of the oneness. And if I may, just one little study. (laughs) Um, There was a scientist named Akterhoff who had two MRIs. She put one in one building and one in another. And in the first MRI, this was done in Hawaii, a traditional healer started to do his or her work and a predictable, consistent pattern came on the MRI. Within an instant, in another building, in another MRI, the patient showed the same pattern. One thing, healing, consciousness, in two places. Superposition. And I invite you to reflect where deep in your gut, in your heart, you maybe knew something was wrong with one of your kids. Or you maybe felt this great joy and love and someone was thinking of you or praying for you. We are a point and we are a wave and the brain is built to see, feel, and know, perceive both realities.
2: That's great. Thank you. Okay, so, so one of the elements you talked about in your scans that you showed us um, was cortical thickening. Mm. Not something I'd heard of before. Mm. Uh, sounds kind of gross. <laughs> what what is cortical beautiful. thickening? It, it, now that I understand <laughs> it, I under, so, so what's beautiful about it? What, yeah. what does it do in terms of how we experience our lives differently uh, once it starts thickening?
0: Thank you. So by way of analogy the spiritual core, this is the language actually that we use in the army, Um, just as we have physical fitness for the physical core, spiritual fitness, embrace, practice, walking the walk in our values and our consciousness practices, strengthens the spiritual core. And you saw in the red brains the strengthened spiritual core, the broad and pervasive regions of cortical thickness. Now, the brain is our lens. It's how we see life. So I could live in the same house with the same family and have the same job, and it all looks different when seen through the awakened brain that has been practiced and strengthened. And even more, when we invited those people to have recovered from depression through a deepening of spiritual life into the lab, they gave off a wavelength, high amplitude alpha. High amplitude alpha is the wavelength given off when we jumpstart recovery, and again, One does what they need. And high-amplitude alpha is given off the back of the head of a meditating monk. High-amplitude alpha has another name. It is Schumann's resonance. The spiritually engaged brain vibrates with the same wavelength that is found all the way around the earth, from the earth's crust up one mile. Our felt sense of return to nature, the oneness we feel in nature, is mirrored by the singularity of the wavelength. So I think my children, certainly my grandchildren, will say grandma was such a riot. (laughs) She looked at sacred consciousness in terms of its wavelength. (laughs) And yet, the spiritually engaged brain vibrates with the wavelength of all nature means we return to our nature. We return to creation. And last night, a beautiful little boy said, when I go out into nature, it feels the way
2: it should be. It's powerful. So, so let's take the science and what you're sharing with us to a practical level. If we are interested in applying some of what you've uncovered in your research into our daily lives, what are some... Concepts that you think are resonant that we could understand? What is what are some practices that we might incorporate into our daily living so that we might ourselves become more spiritually connected?
0: Beautiful. So I offer a roadmap drive through basic science, and I'll give you a shortcut. We looked all around the world, we looked in India, we looked in China, we looked in the US, and knowing that there's a heritable basis to our spiritual awareness, there must be common phenotypes. And it's on the back of those phenotypes that we might use this blueprint to build our spiritual life. I'll share with them briefly. All around the world, of course, there's human variability, but it is seen in every country in its deep experiential structure, the phenotypes of an on-ramp to spiritual awareness, a deep perception of love as a mutative force, not just like happiness and emotion, like gravity and magnetism, love is transformative. That we are both a point and a wave, that we are one and deeply interconnected, an on-ramp through which we perceive deep love and interconnection, an off-ramp of morals derived from a relationship to ultimate reality, not cherry-picked or driven by hedonics, an on-ramp love and interconnection, morals built in relationship to ultimate reality, and the fifth phenotype, is altruism. And it doesn't matter if I'm in India, the U.S., or China, and in that sample we caught the representation of the seven most highly represented faith traditions. There's one spiritual brain, and we all have it. Religious war is extremely outdated. So on that roadmap, we can build a practice of transcendence. For some, it's walking through the cathedral of nature. For some, it's Meditation, heart-centered meditation, for some it's prayer. We can be aware that our perception of unit of love and oneness is perceiving something real. We take inner experience, mystical experience, gut instincts as hard data. And finally, the off-ramp: who are we to each other? What are our morals and how do we treat each other? And sometimes it can feel as if it's barely above legal. There's a big confusion about what's legal and moral. But really, of all the five phenotypes of spiritual life all around the world, the one that most correlates with the spiritual brain, the cortex, high-powered spiritual brain, is love of neighbor, altruism. So if we're stuck, we can move our feet and do what in our heart we want to do anyway, which is love our neighbor.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm noticing that I only have five more minutes before I have to share you. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll save my anecdote because I also have about ten questions. Um, here's a question that's sort of emerging from from what you just said. What, what I'm hearing you propose is that there are five phenotypes that we can identify scientifically. At least
0: there could At be least, others we didn't get.
2: But five that you've you've been, I, uh, identified so yeah. far, and. Many religions have these components. Would you say it could potentially be enough for us to just identify what those phenotypes are and develop our own spiritual practices for each of them? Meaning, could I say, altruism, for me, looks like this. Let me practice it every day. Love, for me, looks like this. And it doesn't, like, just leave religion aside. Or do you see having some sort of guidance around this, some lived experience, some wisdom traditions? Is there a difference between how this comes together?
0: So I'll answer you with the lyrical voice of science. (laughs) And it goes like this. Um, I have a very dear colleague who was once my TA in college, who became my colleague, who spent a decade looking at children in poverty. And simply as a control group, one fall decided, let's put in a well-resourced community to see what differences are found. And to her Shock, Dr. Sunia Luther found in highly resourced communities higher rates of addiction, depression, suicide, and sociopathy than in profoundly under-resourced communities. And so she looked under the hood what could have caused this? Where's the tidal wave? And she went to very well-resourced schools outside of New York, outside of San Francisco, rounded up students and said, tell me who's really popular here? And everybody knew. They said, oh, well, that that group of girls is very popular, and that boy, he's very popular. Dr. Luther came back a week later, rounded up new students, and said, tell me about those girls and that fella. And in this way, determined the actual lived behavior of highly popular people in highly resourced communities. So if you might imagine, what you sense is the number one predictor of popularity in girls, It's within that bandwidth. It was weight. Parts and pieces. We took spirituality out of the public square, and everything is a transaction. Parts and pieces. And the second predictor was cruelty. Mean girls, like the shows we've seen. Interpersonal aggression to instantiate rank. in boys, beautiful souls on earth, they come. Spiritual beings. First predictor of popularity? Substance use. The popular boys use drugs, and the second was not intimacy, but notches on the belt, exploitation. So these beautiful souls are in a tidal wave. I teamed up with Dr. Luther some years into her study, and I said, where's spirituality in all this? And together we looked at that question. Well, the national rate at which a young person raises his or her hand and says, my personal spirituality is highly important to me nature is a sacred home. I turn to my higher power for guidance, live transcendent relationship that we just shared. National rate is 70 percent, but in highly resourced communities, extremely well resourced communities, what might you anticipate was the rate of personal spirituality? Everybody knows it was less than a quarter of the national rate, one five, 15 percent, And those in the 15% were protected against the otherwise elevated rates of the diseases of despair. How do I get my three kids into that 15%? Without exception, all of the students, the high school students, the 15% who said, my personal spirituality is highly important to me, were in families that were part of either a faith community or a community of contribution, there was somewhere else to go, away from the locker, where the moment I walk in to the faith-based community or Habitat for Humanity or a restorative process, I'm viewed as a soul on earth. And it doesn't matter if I just got turned down at six colleges or got into six colleges, if my dad just made a million or was on the paper for being in jail. It doesn't matter. You look at me with love Because in a faith-based community, in a spiritual community, in an altruistic community of service, we are souls on earth. We are children of God. We are emanations of life. And that's how we see each other. That is the gift that we give our children and grandchildren. And that is the embrace of the spiritual core that sets them up for resilience. 80% less likely to be addicted. If you told me I could take this little pill and crush it up in the cereal of my kids, 80% 80% less likely to be addicted, four fifths less likely to take your life in an epidemic of suicide. And yet, this is our birthright, just waiting to be touched and realized.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Big
1: thanks to Dr. Lisa Miller for stopping by. Her website is lisamillerphd.com. Her Instagram is Dr. Lisa Miller, and her latest book. Is entitled The Awakened Brain, The New Science of Spirituality and Our Quest for Inspired Life. And I highly recommend that you pick up that book. I read it a few months ago. It was really, really good. And if you want to hear the last time we had Dr. Lisa Mill on the show, you can go back to episode 287. And if you like today's talk, I have a link to the entire talk as well as all the links that I just mentioned To connect with Dr. Lisa Miller, they will all be in the show description below. And that is a wrap for me. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you have an even better weekend and I will see you back here Monday. So until then, stay strong. Later.